Welcome to the living room. Please make yourself at home. This week, I spoke with Alex Pasca from the Stereo Soul Movement and DOI for Life. And of course, leave it to Alex to go in deep and have our longest podcast yet. However, this is a very good one. We talked about DIY as it stems from punk, the nature of booking shows, having room for different types of spaces and places to play, and just DIY culture and SoCal in general. You can find the Stereo Soul Movement on Bandcamp and all of DIY for Life on Facebook and Tumblr. Lean in, guys, and enjoy. Busy watching uh, Adventure Time while I was making buttons. That's I didn't realize there were know, still new episodes happening I, when I like, binge watched the I whole thing. I forgive you for yeah. Adventure Time is actually my favorite show ever, which I didn't realize it. It definitely is though. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people were telling me about it, and I was like, I know, like the girl from Lake did like a bunch of music for it, yeah. so I was like, okay, I'll like watch those episodes because I want to hear the music. It's like, oh, okay. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. And so, yeah, Lake, DIY band, super yeah. tight, doing the I end credits for Adventure Time. I didn't know that that was that same girl. Ashley Erickson. Not Ashley Not Erickson. Not Ashley we Erickson. Know. Ashley Erickson. Erickson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's so good. Oh, my God. Huh. Anyways. Steaks. You watch Steaks, then? Hmm? Did you watch Steaks, the, the, the new, like, Marceline miniseries that goes into oh. her backstory? Yeah, I was like, watched the first one, and I was like, because I'm like pirating it, you know? So I like watched the first one, and I was like, oh, cool, there's a different theme song. Like, they're doing like some like special episode, and then the it's next one's like, a series of special episodes. Oh, <laughs> it's still going. I was like, oh, whoa, this is, the story's getting really deep now. Yeah, it's eight like, parts. Cool. Man. Anyway, so yeah, you can just start whenever you want to. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting. I mean, usually we're a huge band. Yeah. But the songs are all just simple pop songs. But I'm going to try and play one of the instrumental ones without horn players. Soul Movement on the Living Room Podcast, straight from Long Beach, California. It's a little weird tonight, because we don't have a full band. I'm going to do my best to play these simple pop songs for y'all. Thanks for having me on, Karina.
noise horn section. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a lot of different horn players over the years. But the one person who, like, wrote most of the horn parts, except for that one, was my brother. Hmm. But now he goes to school in Sonoma. And so when he comes down for breaks, we try and play shows specifically to play with him. Because he's, like, the only trumpet player we have, which is weird. Because I used to have the problem for years of not having reed players, like saxophones and stuff. And we had all horn players, like trumpets, like trombones. And now I only know sax players. I don't know how that changed. <laughs> but it That's works how that out. happens. Yeah, it, it works out. So I'm trying to get down to, like, with the new songs where we don't necessarily need a horn section. Just because it's really hard to have a humongous band and coordinate everyone's schedules. Yep. And that's why we haven't played since we went. Well, we played like the weekend after we came back from tour. But we did a tour with like nine people and it was awesome. But then we haven't played since then between people having school schedules and work schedules. I mean, it's the classic difficulty of having a large band is that no one has time. Yeah. And yeah. so that's why there's all these, you know, two piece math rock bands. And, like, yeah, because it's so punk easy. Pop bands because <laughs> it's like tight we can practice three days a week like you're like yeah we're practicing three days a week now i'm like dang that's actually really cool like i'm really glad bands are doing that because you can tell people are practicing you can tell they're getting better like every band in the scene sounds like they're getting better right now and it's like i think subconsciously people are one-upping each other but like it's not like a talked about thing which is weird because in like the history of rock and roll it's usually a talked about thing where you have like very visible mccartney lennon and very visible like blur versus oasis and like in our scene and like the way things work with the people we all are friends with and like have this cool community with it's not competitive but it's inspirational that's because so. punk is supposed to be actively not that it's just funny yeah yeah so when we come from well i mean not everyone in our group of friends i guess is a punk band but we come from that same core i guess that is punk and so then it becomes the whole thing ad- adopts like this idea is yeah I, I like to think that diy is not necessarily exactly what punk is like yeah they're is, different it's an evolution and that's why like a lot of people like joke around like oh yeah diy that's so funny like i don't know why you're like all into that and it's like well looking at it historically like it's a new generation that's been influenced by punk but it's not just like nihilist punk kind of stuff that like you'd hear in like the 70s and especially in California, it's super influenced by hardcore punk and the Minutemen in the 80s. And so, like, the DIY kind of mindset and, like, almost, like, the spread of it, I think, my opinion, comes from hardcore punk and its alliances with, like, weirdos like K-Records up in the Northwest. And eventually, like, West Coast met East Coast with Discord. Mm-hmm. And we're all descendants of that, but it's not, like, what people stereotype punk as. And that's a good thing because yeah. the stereotype of punk is kind of lame. Yeah, whenever people, like, go back to, like, that's not, when, like, whenever they talk about the scene now, they're like, that's not punk. I'm like, well, it's better than that. Yeah. It's, like, nice, yeah. approachable, friendly. Yeah, it's actually We're open. helping each other. Yeah, it's, like, a weird merging of kind of, like, hippie ideals and, and like, hardcore punk work ethic, which yeah. is a good thing and ostensibly, like. Which is why that ex- succeeded in the beginning was because yeah. it was the work ethic. And, like, ostensibly, it should be better than what we're being presented by, like, the mainstream music industry and the people that, like, we are trying to not be like, even though in a lot of ways we reproduce the same things as the mainstream music industry. So that's why it bums me out when there's, like, when bands put something out and it's, like, really, like, janky and low quality. I'm like, guys, like, DIY is supposed to be really good. It's supposed to be, like, more (laughs) special. 
you're supposed to do something. It deserves like, more. Yeah, like this is like a piece of art, and like it's t- it's like really temporal, but like it's gonna be like cherished in a weird way in this moment, and so like make the moment count. Not to be like, oh, I'm like living in the moment kind of person. Like, I'm definitely not, but like making the moment count is pretty important. Well, because the art matters. It all matters. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it does. <laughs> if not, I'm all for not. Yeah. Well. You're here. You're representing Stereo Soul Movement today, which is ostensibly a funk band. Smooth music, retro, whatever. Yeah, that I like kind of stuff. Soul music. I don't know disco. Yeah, that's like one of the many different things. I guess technically, Stereo Soul Movement started off as an offshoot, or like, not really a joke, but like kind of like. An excuse to do something fun. An excuse to do goofy songs yeah, that are like play, really fun to do. Play party but music, you yeah. know? Like, there's, like, a lot of, like, you know, like, kind of downer music. And I like that stuff. I listen to a lot of it. But, like... We all like that stuff. I mean... There's a reason that's we not, keep making it. I'm not, I'm not good at making it, I guess. But, like, I don't know. I like to play around with different genres. Like, I... My, like, educational background was, like, academically studying music and music history and, like, music theory. So, I really appreciate the wide breadth that you can get in DIY versus, like, what people commonly think is punk. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for me, like, when I first discovered, like, this kind of, like, thing, it was, like, influenced by, like, leftism and, like, political radicalness and, like, merging that with, like, music and art. Like, it was really weird bands that didn't play rock and roll at all. And then when I came back to Orange County after going to school for five years, I was like, oh it's mostly rock bands. That's cool. I like that. There's this big emo revival thing that's popular. Who would have thought? And like, I'm glad I still know a lot of the weirdos, but no one else I knew knew like the like weirdos and the people doing like more like, you know, catchy music. And now it's cool. Cause like everyone, like whenever I talk about diners, everyone's like, I know diners. They're awesome. Yeah. Like, yeah, dude, like bands like that. Smooth music, man. Stereosome. We play smooth music, <laughs> even if it gets a little, a little, a little uppity sometimes. Well, it's fun to watch. I mean, I haven't been to Funk Me All Night Light, Funk Me All Night Long yet, but I want to just because it seems like just a good time. Like we're here and we're just we're enjoying being here as opposed to like feeling sad. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea behind Funk Me All Night Long, um, me and John Medell wanted to have a way for like the Stereo Soul Movement and Galacticat to be able to like play shows regularly because there wasn't really going to be any other like shows booked at the DIY spaces that like were more like in tune with like dance music and party music and so we were like okay we'll find other bands that we think are like kind of groovy and like different than like the normal rock and roll fair and then we'll put like two of those bands on and then we'll find a rapper because we'd have rappers come guest with Galactica all the time and then we'll have a rapper do like a featured set and we were trying to make it monthly and doing monthly things was really hard so it was almost bi-monthly and there's been like some droughts and we're trying to get one together for the new year um there kind of is one but not really i mean we're playing like a new year's party at uh the the band mounds of earth the place where they practice in their house but we'll see what happens it might be february okay well if you need help booking like i apparently like very recently just like a whole bunch of like funk bands have like come out of the woodwork in front of me hell yeah so i have like recommendations for you good yeah it's 
It's cool. I'm like, is, is there like a funk revival happening? Because I'm like know. so into that if there is. Or I'm just like becoming more aware of this other part of music that I just haven't been interacting with very much. Like a lot of the more like groovy bands don't tend to deal in DIY, I guess. Yeah. Like there's a bunch of other bands I know of that like are just kind of like play bar shows and play like events in LA and other places. We thought about trying to book those people. But because we have, like, zero budget, like, it's hard to convince a big band to come to drive any amount of distance, like, yeah. without getting some gas money. And we were basically just scrambling trying to find places we could do it for free and make it all ages, but still have it be a party atmosphere and not be, like, oh, super sober space, like, you know. And we were kind of successful, but we're still trying to find, like, a real location that would, like, have us back every month. And there's just no bars that, like, San Clemente let didn't people work who are out. under... No, we uh, we were doing it at Native Sun for a while in Santa Ana, and then the guy was really unresponsive. We threw a huge show there, and it was like bigger than their new than their uh St. Patrick's Day. Like they did more business during our Tuesday night show than St. Patrick's Day, and they didn't let us come back. That was a bummer. And we did it at, like Beatnik Bandito. We've done it at some houses, but uh, and we did it at like our old lockout that we had for a while, and we used to throw shows there, and we got kicked out because we were throwing shows. And the landlord was, like, really ridiculous and wouldn't give us our security deposit back. And it got pretty hairy. One in orange? Yeah. Okay. And that was, it was a really good spot. The cops came by, like, constantly and they never, they didn't care at all. It was right by, like, the main station. Exactly. <laughs> and no, we never had any problems. It was actually down the street and around the corner. Like, it was right there. Yep. The first time I went there, I'm like, this is a weird place never had for any a show problems. to be. Yeah, we never had any problems. But... One of the biggest problems in Orange County, especially, is space. That's why OCDIY exists. That's basically. the biggest problem yeah. with everywhere <laughs> is having a physical yeah. space. In I mean, in the bigger cities, there's like possibilities. Like there's areas, there's older areas of cities that are not like owned by property management companies and stuff like that, and owned by things like the Irvine Company. Like the Irvine Company owns most of Irvine. Mm-hmm. To do a space in Irvine we probably have to talk to the Irvine company or at least Irvine city council. And we actually are going to try and talk to the Irvine really? city council. Um, cause they actually might be supportive of that. They have a lot of land. They, they have, have a lot, lot of, of real land. estate. <laughs> they have a lot of people moving in and like, they want to seem cultural. Yeah. Well, like build it as an art space and hopefully they'll be into it. Yeah. That's the idea. Like Lake forest wasn't into it. Like, will talk to someone from Lake Forest City Council and they were just not into it. And uh, there just isn't anywhere really that's that good in Southern Orange County to do a space. So, like, we kind of exhausted all the options in Southern Orange County for OCDIY and now we're kind of slowly looking further and further north, which I think we should have been doing in the first place. Yeah, But, no, you know, that's, that was, that's, like, not a singular decision I get to make. It's not like I'm, like, in charge of anything, really. Besides, like, when a show happens, I usually run the show. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not the president. Like, Will's the president. And, like, I do events managing now. And I don't, I'm not even the booker anymore. Like, I stepped down from booking so someone else could do it. Because I book a ton of other shows. Yeah. So I can't, I can't be booking, like, eight to ten shows a month and be like, by the way, this one's this, this one's that. That's really confusing. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's very confusing for people. Yeah. And how much effort can you put into each one if you have to do, like, ten? Cause it's just because you want to support each one, but then when you only have so much time, like yeah, I mean a lot of it, a lot of the effort I'm putting in is like day of in person work. 
what's great about like what's happening in Southern Orange County and like all of Orange County is that like there's enough cool bands that people want to see where like you could book 10 shows a month and it'd be you could get a good mix and probably not even have many repeat people playing and like if people had enough money and time and they weren't going to school and having jobs like they would go to every single one but like not being in school anymore I don't think about the school schedule sometimes and like I'll have a show and I'll be like why is this going so terribly and I'm like oh someone just told me it's like oh yeah it's like midterms I'm like duh like duh like or like oh yeah it's finals right now like uh, the shows are gonna like not be very good during the weekdays but on the weekends they'll be big because everyone's like wants to let off steam on the weekends during finals yeah or like the weekend before finals or after finals and so it's really interesting trying to like deal with booking a lot of shows but not for a lack of bands definitely not for a lack of bands we don't have I have a lot of people who are like please get me a show and I'm just like I have maybe I haven't seen you before play live so I can't oh, yeah there's a there's a lot of reasons happen. like yeah. I can't see every single band in Southern California that's not gonna happen and I have like people that I'm good friends with that I know are friends with other people in bands that like playing with each other and I want to put on events that are not only enjoyable for people but enjoyable for the bands like a band wants to have a good time when they play a show if they feel like they don't know anyone they're just kind of standing around like that's not a great experience you're yeah. not gonna play as well or like if like you feel you don't really fit in like sonically into the show and you're like well not the people here don't really yeah. aren't really into the type of music we're making anyway so yeah yeah, uh-huh. but yeah that's a big thing i've been coming across recently like where there's like so many bar- barriers to like event barriers of entry to like starting to play like and it's not purposeful it's just that's how it is because yeah. you are gonna ask your friends to play shows first because you trust them and you trust their opinion and you're like, their music is good and I know that. And then, like, beyond that, you take their word first because you're like, I believe them. And then yeah. they're before, like, just a random person. Yeah. And it's not anything personal. It's just like, oh, I want the show to go well. Yeah. And in a way, it's, like, built into human biology. Yeah. Like, people like to think people arbitrarily make stuff up and, like, that's the way the world works. And, like... Maybe in, like, normal capitalist society, yeah, that's true. Because if you have capital, then you can just make up stuff. And that and that happens. Like, the guy who everyone is talking about who, like, bought the Wu-Tang album and funded Thursday and all this <laughs> crap. Like, he was like, I'm going to do this. It may happen. That's how it works in, like, the crappy capitalist world. But, like, what we're doing is an alternative to that. Like, I think a lot of young kids don't realize it or think about it that, like, DIY and punk rock comes from an anti-capitalist perspective. It's working in an anti-capitalist mindset whether it's an intentional in your mind or not like because it's a historically situated thing and so like there's like biology behind like why you want to play with certain people why you have a good time and why you get a bigger endorphin rush when you're playing with your friends or why like you are more excited about a band when you see half the crowd singing along with them like if you play a show and it seems like no one knows you or no one's like moving around like when other people see that they're like oh maybe this band isn't that good because no one's even like moving or dancing or like singing but you see other people singing along your band like oh they must be someone's really (laughs) invested no but someone's like really invested in this band and so you are more willing to be more invested in it Mm -hmm. and that's really hard to cultivate and bands i think they can just cultivate that and i don't know unless you have like a lot of really close friends who are really into your music like probably not it's like a long process and like not everyone's going to be popular. Yeah. I mean, 
my bands aren't popular, but yeah, that's I mean, fine because I'm not worried about ex- performing popularity. Or being an like I don't know because there's like a a sound. There's a specific sound that does well. There's two specific. There's sounds. two specific sounds. That do one well. <laughs> most of us don't 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 fuck with, but like the other one, yeah. Yeah. But you know, like I know garage bands that like want to play with like the more like emo and indie rock bands and like hardcore related bands. And I'm like, you guys, you gotta consider playing with some like the teenage burger bands that are really popular right now. Like they're not bad bands. Their fans are like the worst part. Like yeah. I don't have a problem with a, like a band like Beach Bums. Those guys shred. They're like insane. I saw them at Way Too Fun Fest, and I was like, "Holy moly!" Like, wow. And like you know, like that band Vag. Like their harmonies are really cool. They're obviously really inspired by Zeppelin, which is pretty tight. And like you know, like the side eyes, the girl who like fronts that band is like pretty badass. And like that guy, like Nico Bones, like does some crazy yeah, stuff Nico when Bones. he plays. You know, and I'm not always into the spectacle of it. Because spectacle is like this really weird thing related to capitalism in my mind, because of situationalism and yeah. all this, all that kind of it weird things. Like, and so, off-putting. like, that's not, I'm not like super into garage rock, but like, there are some really good garage rock bands in Southern California that, like, Burger does a good job at finding and promoting them. It's just the and fans then, around here are like really annoying. Like, the teenagers are really annoying. The drug culture around it's, it's really it's annoying. All, it's the most problem. The big problem is like the culture surrounding the music rather than the music yeah. itself. But Burger was smart. They built a lifestyle brand. Yeah, that is what they did. And I mean, that's what like a lot of punk labels why- did. That's what Discord did. That's what Minor Threat did. Like, the whole straight edge thing. Like, yeah, yeah, straight edge is a lifestyle. You know? yeah. it's, it's like lifestyle brands go further than art. Well, it's cause because people feel like they, especially young people, like, cause when you're like a, a young teen, you're looking for an, a larger identity to yeah. adopt. And then if you find this in the exactly. music, then there it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause there's like a whole kind of, there's like a Marxist theory, like related to this. It's like why Buzzfeed works so well, basically that guy, like he was a graduate student. He studied Marxism and he basically applied it to like making internet articles, listicles and like things that would make you temporarily identify with something. And the articles would reinforce that temporary identification and like way that you would think of yourself. And so you'd be more receptive to it. So yeah. like 10 things, every nineties kid knows you're like, Oh, I was alive in the nineties. I, I know some of me? these things. <laughs> oh, this is, and it's like reinforces identity. And like, that's why Buzzfeed is, devilish and genius at the same time but it's funny because he's using like leftist like theory to kind of come up with this thing that like now just infests the internet and everyone's kind of like oh yeah buzzfeed you're kind of sitting over here next to our like there's like some serious news and really funny memes and you're kind of sitting over here on the side of those two and you're like you know we know you're here but we don't really want to acknowledge you but we're gonna read your article sometimes (laughs) That's it's it's trippy. I had this conversation with someone the other day about BuzzFeed. It's like, yeah, BuzzFeed's a trip, man. I mean, but I enjoy the theory behind it more now after like finding <laughs> out that. <laughs> I mean, it's important just for like how it's changed internet journalism. Yeah, which is its own thing. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so cheapened. But it's funny. I had a music blog back in like two thousand three, four, and five. And back when, like, blogs were first a big thing mm-hmm. and as, like, a counter to Pitchfork, basically. I mean, I read Pitchfork religiously back then, too, in high school. And uh, 
I did, like, some weird stuff just by having a blog. Like, I was judging, like, a remix competition for, like, Asthmatic Kitty. They were, like, remixing, like, Sufjan Stevens and other bands on that label. I have, like, this, like, rare t-shirt now that, like, they only, like, gave out to people who, like, worked with them. And it's a really cute shirt. I love it. And uh, I had all sorts of weird opportunities through, like, pseudo-journalism, I guess, where, like, real journalists would be like, oh, what have you been doing? It's like, how they would consider, like, zinesters. Like, I made zines in high school. And, like, I worked in college radio in college, and I interviewed, like, some of my, like, favorite bands of all time, like, the Olivia Tremor Control and, like, Cursive and, like, you don't see from Sigur Rós and, like, did, like, live sessions with these people. But I don't really know how to, like, break into real journalism. Like, I write occasionally. I'm good at writing. I mean, I studied musicology and, like, took graduate classes in it. But, like, journalism's weird. Journalism is weird. I was trying to get a job at OC Weekly, actually, and it didn't that. pan out. But... They want me to freelance, and I'm like, like oh. what should I write about? I don't know. I need a little guidance sometimes yeah. without just being totally just like, okay, I'm going to write about cool stuff that I like and then sound really self promoting which is like something I'm very worried about sounding, but try and just get over that and be like, yeah, I'm just going to promote myself and promote like the things I do like harder because why not? I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's what you know, and you are helping other people in the process, so that's yeah. okay. That's, yeah, it's the whole idea with the label. Then, like total money saving, <laughs> then like podcasts are the next journalism thing apparently is yeah what podcasts I'm, are is what popular. i'm reading and hearing about i just like listened to this uh this podcast that was like talking about the history of podcasts and like yeah Whoa, we're at that point now cool. that's good <laughs> Foucault would be happy he'd be like cool history of podcasts let's do this but, like the like the word itself like just came from like one guy who wrote in this article like he just randomly called them podcasts and then really yeah, and then the word took off, and then and they were rejected from, like, actual radio people by the longest time. Oh, that's so funny, because, like... And then like, they oh, were suddenly man. accepted in, like, slowly. That has, like, <laughs> historical parallels. So, yeah. like, if you go back to the BBC radio back in the, like, 40s and 50s, um, a lot of the, like, leftist folkies who were part of, like, the first folk revival and, like, the song-collecting uh, craze would do these things called radio ballads Mm -hmm. where it would be a mixture of them like playing original songs, playing folk songs, having narration. And then they get like sound effects. They go out to villages and interview people. So they like, one of them is about like John Axtell and he was like, uh, he was a railway worker. And so they like have like sounds of like trains that they went out and field recorded. And they went and interviewed people that knew this guy. Cause he like died by getting run over by a train or something like that. It was some kind of like really sad death. And it was like about like the plight of the working man in England yeah. at the, you know, after the industrial revolution. And, uh, that's like what podcasts are now actually like it. And those were rejected like by the BBC radio and they eventually just didn't get any funding. And they were like, nah, we're done with you guys. And then went back to playing, you know, popular radio hits i mean because broadcast radio is inherently different from oh, podcast now which is yeah. good i mean it's, i feel like it's what happened with like cable and broadcast television like it's just another extension yeah. of the same thing that's always been happening with media so i don't know yeah radio also was deregulated back in the 80s and that allowed clear channel and a couple others to pick up a lot of stations and so it kind of decimated community radio and community radio is like a place that would have supported podcast like things but they got destroyed thanks Ronald Reagan um, and like now there's a lot more community stations freeing up which is great but not really in Southern California because the airwaves are so clogged here like UCLA can't even get their own radio station yeah. I was lucky to be in the Bay Area Calix had our own radio station we had a big signal our signal went into San Francisco even though legally it wasn't supposed to it's awesome 
It goes great. I'd do like a one one in the morning radio show and have like people call in from like all over the world. Yeah, I've like I've been trying to like actually listen to Fistful Vinyl Vinyl. I don't know. Those guys are tight. And that's that's an LA radio station, but I cannot get their signal, and I live. 30 miles away from them. Yeah. And I don't... Hills kill it, man. Yeah. I can't get KUCI where I live in Mission Viejo, yeah, I don't even know. though Irvine is like six, seven, eight miles away. I mean, UC Irvine is probably like 10 miles away. But still, like, that's a bummer. I would listen to it. Like, there's a radio station in Laguna Beach called 93X. You can't get it over the hills outside of Laguna Beach. It's yeah. like, I would like to listen to that. Like, um. whatever. <laughs> I would try to become a DJ at KUCI, but I could never actually get to the info session and i couldn't do the first step yeah total failure Whatever. two years in a row it's okay i love college radio it's so much fun it's fun yeah it's so great i agree like, those guys at fistful vinyl are tight like i've only heard good things about so them. they're so fun like when we hung out with them when we did an interview with them with ocdiy like we talked about like really deep stuff but also like hung out and like they showed us this really beautiful view at loyal marymount and they're really cool i ran into them while they were filming acoustic sessions with nana grizzle and toby foster during growing up is done hung out with them there they're really tight (laughs) they're they're down to get like super deep into things and be like okay like history yeah i'm like yes i mean i would hope so yes so sweet can you play another thing please and thank you so uh, i mentioned earlier that like we're trying to like go in a smoother direction with the new stuff but it's actually really hard to play smooth music um, playing quietly and like in, mo- in most cases slow is really challenging for like most musicians and so it is harder this is like this is a new song that's supposed to be like a lot smoother and I'm not sure I, it'll probably be a stereo supplement song but there's also like this offshoot band we have called the secret smooth band which is like oh, that's me, John Medell and some other people well it's different people oh and like in that band we've been playing covers we've been playing covers of other local bands but like as soft oh. rock yeah, like the Halloween show. Yes. Yeah, that was really fun. I and I didn't realize you were calling it a separate thing though. I thought it was just like Stereo Soul Movement is doing covers. Kind of. It was really challenging to get uh, all the members of Stereo Soul Movement to learn like covers, and so I, f- I found people who actually like listened to the bands that we were covering. It's a lot easier to cover something that you know as opposed to like, oh, here's this totally fresh song you haven't heard because a lot of them don't go to like shows because they're like more into like weirder music and not into like punk rock and so yeah i was like let's just gather another group of people who like are down to play it and so it's like end up being like me michael austin johnny and barry and we're actually we're playing that new year show also we should play those covers again and i think we're gonna play all Lang Syne since it's a cover (laughs) (laughs) but this is a new song it's called questions comments and concerns How did I get here? Where am I going? And all of the lessons People think are boring Ignoring what's important For a functioning society And I can't stand around And speak slow or politely Ba, ba, ba. 
did I go out? Did I think you would call me? Put down the phone now There's friends all around me Compounding all these feelings Of joy and serenity But I can't stand around And speak slow or politely Questions, comments, or concerns Some free advice, it would be welcome Questions, comments, or concerns Everyone needs someone to help them I got your message A new world is coming But how can we make it Through rising and falling And crawling towards the future With so much anxiety And I can't stand around And speak slow or politely Questions, comments, or concerns Some free advice, it would be welcome Questions, comments, or concerns Everyone needs someone to help them Questions, comments, or concerns Some free advice, it would be welcome Questions, comments, or concerns Everyone needs someone to help The drummer knows the part already, but the rest of the band doesn't have parts yet. That's the challenge. Just getting it, getting everyone to write parts. Is, the, I was gonna ask like how your songs come together for this band. Interestingly enough, the songs that we're mostly playing live now have been written for a number of years. Oh. Like some of them are really old. And it's just like stuff I either never did anything with or stuff that kinda like eventually I had enough of it and I was like, oh, this band should just play original music. Because initially, the first show we ever did is the Stereo Soul Movement. It was called Your Yellow Dress Presents the Stereo Soul Movement. Because Your Yellow Dress was my old folk rock band. And these kids who had this, like, kind of booking collective called the Jumpin' Chupacabra back in, like, 2009 to 2012, basically, were doing, like, DIY shows at, like, coffee shops and houses and parks, like, pretty regularly, like, once or twice a month. Pretty much for like two or three years and so they did two festivals the first time after i'd met them coming back home from college like they had us play would have us play shows occasionally and then we played their festival the first year and they were all kind of like what the heck is this band it's like clearly kind of like a folky sufjan stevens thing but our drummer at the time was like a metalhead and playing with double <laughs> kicks and they were like what the heck is happening and after we played that i went back to college and Matt Craven, who's the drummer of the Stereo Soul Movement, mess- messaged me. He was like, hey, I heard when you played the festival that like you guys don't have a consistent drummer. Like, I would be down and play drums with you when you come back. I don't remember ever seeing that message. 
he told me he sent this on Facebook. And then we were trying to book a spring break tour, and uh, I needed a drummer really badly. And he was like, I'll do it. And he was going to Fullerton at the time. And he just, like, basically didn't go to school for a week to come on tour with us. <laughs> and we became, like, best friends on that tour. And uh, that summer, I was, like, really into disco music at that time. Went through a really, really big disco phase and funk and soul thing, like, in college. Where, like, that was pretty much all I listened to besides, like, Simon and Garfunkel. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, like thing where I would throw these disco theme parties at my dad's house um, when I come home from college over the summer. So like every summer I'd have like one or two. And the second year they had this festival, I was like, why don't we just do an all disco cover set? Like, let's just cover disco and soul songs the entire time. So we did like the hustle disco inferno, like this magic moment, like it's too late by Carol King, like all these like, classic songs and that was your yellow dress presents the stereo soul movement but like over the year we did it again the next summer and then after i graduated college and came back matt was still living down here and we were like oh yeah like we've had those original songs that you've played me a couple times and we like just start playing them and we eventually had like a full band put together back in like 2014 and I want to say the first time we played was the my first zine release for DIY for Life at uh, the Eclectic Room, which is Isaac Ariola's house. And um, that was like almost a completely different lineup. The bass player is my friend Adam. The keyboard player is my friend Maggie, who was living with me when I wrote a lot of the songs in Berkeley. And uh, the drummer was Matt, and then we had a second drummer. We used to have, we had two drummers at one point. That was really cool. That is cool. It was so it's cool. It's always exciting. Totally unsustainable, <laughs> but totally cool. And um, this guy, Tony, and that band just, like, didn't, didn't stay a thing because Maggie and Adam, like, bought a bus and drove around the country because they have a three-piece funk band called Frozen. And so they bought, like, a bus and put solar panels on it, and they, like, live on it and, like, travel around. Wow. Mostly the West Coast right now. That's And so delicious. we needed to find new band members, and all the horn players left for, like, college or moving away. And uh, we basically adopted Galacticat because they... John had asked me to play with Galacticat. And I was, like, after, like, a couple months, I was, like, hey, you guys want to, like, play these songs like me and Matt do? Like, we don't have a <laughs> band anymore. And everyone was down. And so we've learned, like, those songs. But all the parts were kind of written because we recorded the four originals that we play the most... The ones we play the most, like we recorded them back like a year and a half ago with the old band and the old bass player and the old keyboard player and they're like crazy talented musicians so like the recorded parts are, like really involved and, like i can't even play them and like i basically simplified them for like the current band and basically like taught the bass player the parts and my brother taught him some of the parts that my brother had written and uh horn players my brother also taught them the horn parts when he'd be in town and so like the band kind of became like me, my brother, and Matt. But Ryan's never around, and Matt's really busy working a lot. So we actually may or may not be adopting old band members back into the band because they're taking a break from driving the bus around the country right now. <laughs> so it's all, right. all like crazy. It's <laughs> nice to know a lot of really talented musicians. Yeah, I and mean, that's always. kind of what happens so at it's our lockout. At in our flux lockout. is basically. Yeah, and like our lockout was super cool when we had it because like. All those people were in those two bands. They all were in their own bands. They were all in, like, other people's bands. Other bands would be coming through to record there with John. Sometimes, like, Panoramic would be practicing there, and people just have random jam sessions there. 
and like before we lost it over the summer like where was a like we'd be there like multiple days a week and there would just be like a lot of people like coming through and like playing and we kind of like ended up dubbing it like the space crime collective like, everyone who was kind of associated with galacticat and either played in galacticat or in bands with like other people from galacticat <laughs> it was funny austin jenkins and alex from panoramic were like hey can we be part of the space crime collective and we were like that's not a real thing. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of just like this made-up idea. One, and we just happened to have a band camp because we needed a band camp for Galactica. And, like, you gotta jam with us. Like, it's based on people who jam together and, like, you know, who, like, create together. It's not just, like, oh, we know each other. Like, that's cool. I know a lot of really creative people. I wish I jammed with them, but I'm not, I'm not the best jammer. But, like, with these people, like, it's, like, a special group of people, which is so awesome to, like, have that. Because I didn't really i didn't kind of had that in high school but for the most part it was like a very it was like a couple few of us at my high school who i knew who were like were like yeah let's go play a show in a park let's like book one show a month at this coffee shop around the street and like it would always be like our band the paper orchestra and at basically people who were in that band's like side projects like playing it's like totally silly but totally fun and like i only knew people in other parts of the country who were like doing the diy thing and lo and behold, there were already people doing it here, of course. Yeah, of but, course. like, I wish I had known them. Like, a lot of these kids now who are in college and high school, like, know each other. Like, that's really cool. That's really, that's, like, really a special thing. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, so you said you don't jam very much. Is that just because, I mean, I also, I get that because sometimes people just, they can only vibe with certain other people. Like, there's, and then there's other, some, there's people who just are great yeah no matter who it is they'll make it work you know i'm i do jam with a lot of people um but i'm not like super good at it like i'm not really like a technically amazing musician and when it comes down like the my own music that i do like i'm very much more into songwriting and arrangement than i am into like just like spontaneously creating things mm-hmm. because maybe that's partially because i feel like i get that enough between like galacticat and all those people i play with and random people's bands i sub in on occasionally and like i don't know the list could go on like i'm really excited that i've been like occasionally playing in other people's bands because i'd rather play in other people's bands than my own at this point like i want my band to play more because i have some like really interesting ideas of what how i want to change our live performance and my personal live performance aesthetic but like that's just because I've been reading a lot of Ian Savonius recently and <laughs> I was gonna watching say why. a lot by his band, The Makeup and stuff. So I've just been really inspired by Nation Ulysses and that kind of stuff that he does and reading his new book, Censorship Now, which is just like fantastic. So live live performances, people need to step it up in that game. Like <laughs> bands are really good and their music's sounding really tight, but not everyone's interesting to watch. And some people like the, the like at the minimum adding just like cool lights or lights in general like spiffs up a show like i hate being in program when all the fluorescent lights are on that's so weird maybe that works for hardcore but it doesn't work for me personally yeah. and it's funny because like chris who owns program will be like dude whenever you turn the lights off and bring like all your weird lights whenever i take pictures and put on my instagram they always come out terribly and i was like <laughs> Sorry, I'm not setting up a show for Instagram here. I'm like trying <laughs> to like us. have for, some good vibes. He's here right now. Like, yeah, it's about like th- that's why like me and Johnny bring Christmas lights everywhere and always set Christmas lights at shows. It's just like a little reminder to like party and have fun, even if it's sad music. No, yeah, like, part of it is it's cool. I mean, you go to a live show for the live show, and then whenever there's like a thing happening, 
like this kind of like that there's like in addition to the music then i'm like way more invested like i forgot what band it was but some band had like a hula hoop dancer and i'm like yo (laughs) i want this at every single show this is so exciting or if there's some band that like just adds interest and like sets the tone for the show like oh was it that one band sugar middens Oh man, Andrew's great. I He's awesome doing show was up, so. that rocked my world. Like I was, I could not believe Dude, what I was seeing. So, that happens so much in DIY and other parts of the country. The thing is, is our scene is a little bit sterile when it comes to like being extra creative. Not as in like more creative, but like, but like extra, something beyond yeah. like just being like presenting your creativity. Like when I see like my friend Dan and the yellow dress play, like. He's going out in the audience, like, talking to people and, like, involving them in the show. And, like, that's what the makeup did. Like, they would, like, it'd be, like, a gospel thing, like, call and response. And a lot of, like, the old kind of, like, Paul Barabo and, like, the Midwest kind of, like, folk punky people would always have, like, sing-along stuff in their songs. Or they have, like, a song where they get the audience to repeat something over and over and that starts to create the song. Like, that's a little tougher to do in rock and roll. Although people, they could do more call and response and, like, cheering and yelling, but... It's it's more challenging to do if you're not like doing kind of weird different music. It's harder to involve the audience because the rock concert is this very, it's very solidi- serious. This very solidified <laughs> we're here serious idea. For of, music. Like, these people are on stage. If we're really feeling it, we're gonna get in their face. Yeah. Like that's about the extent of it. And it's weird because rock and roll is initially like this really ooh taboo or you're doing crazy stuff. Like the old people don't like this, and now it's so safe. Well, it's because it's the mainstream now. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the same well, conversation. Flavors, it's falling out of the mainstream. That's true. It's but the same it's, yeah. larger conversation that we're having. But I really liked I Sugar like Middens though because it wasn't confrontational. It was really fun, and mm. I was not threatened at all. Yeah. Like that's why I liked it, and also it felt goofy and just very nice as because there are some bands that will do like crazy things quote unquote in during their shows and sometimes i really don't like it because i'm like i feel like this is too much yeah like, there's a really awkward experience that oh i'm not gonna name the band but a friend of mine um she was at a show and she was just like sitting in the back of being a bandito and there wasn't a lot of people left when this band played but she was just, like, on her phone looking up something. And the guy who's performing, like, goes up and, like, grabs the phone from her and, like, is pretending to, like, text or whatever and, like, mess around with her phone. And she flipped out because that is not, like, she was not cool with that, like, personal space yeah. violation. And, like, it became, like, a big issue really quickly because then once she ran outside and was, like, freaking out and, like, we were trying to calm her down, like, this other dude comes up and starts, like, mansplaining why it was okay for a guy to, like, grab her phone because of art or whatever because, you know, he's just a confrontational kind of, like you know performer and like i get that i know where he was coming from i know where the guy who's performing is coming from and i totally understand my friend's situation but like you you don't tell her that yeah. and like that's, when someone's that's not like appropriate like upset, she had her personal don't. space violated yeah. and that's messed up and we need to wait and resolve the issue with the person who did it and not you mr third party coming in here trying to tell everyone what's cool like you need to like be here with like the people who experience the show and make sure that show is good for them and that they're feeling safe and comfortable like that's the point of a safe space like safe space doesn't mean necessarily no drinking it doesn't mean necessarily no smoking pot like that's a totally made up idea by like straight edge people like i'm gonna say that and like it's made up by straight edge people and also like working within like the laws of a place which Mm. and then but those are arbitrary as well so. The laws are only in place when there was someone there to yeah, enforce exactly, them. Yeah, exactly. There exactly. isn't cops at most shows. So, 
I don't know. I take issue with like the way space safe spaces are talked about. At the same time, like I super heavily support safe spaces. Exactly. And, no, and I definitely yeah, support exactly. there being sober spaces because they serve a purpose. And like we need to have that purpose served because there are some people that need it. But that doesn't but you mean, should that have, doesn't mean you should other have, spaces can't exist. No, you should have both, different. which is why I'm so glad the yeah. Pomona area has VLHS and Bridgetown. Exactly. It's both of them. Yeah. And so, so. it's just, it, it gets, to, it's like, it's a contentious thing with some people. And, like, that's why they hate Bridgetown. Or for OCDIY, it's, like, used as a big thing to justify what we do, what we do. And why, like, sometimes people in the collect, in, like, the group, I don't really call it a collective anymore. Um, <laughs> why people in the group, like, get really worked up about certain issues or when something happens at a show or like, you know, when we do our rare house show and people show up with alcohol and they treat the situation like it's like an emergency and it's not, you know, like I get it that like when you have a sober space, like you expect everyone to be sober, but like, A, you're probably, you, you won't always know when someone's under the influence or it's all, I don't know when people are tripping on ass unless they say something really weird. Like you never know that and they could flip out at any moment. But you don't know until, like, the trip starts going bad. And then the space will become, I guess, un, quote-unquote unsafe. But, like, you could have people on drugs in a space and it's still safe. Like, there, there's, I don't know, there's, like, two heart of lines drawn in the sand. And those lines only need to be drawn in the sand when it comes to the legality of yeah. the it's space a, itself. Not the legality of the people, because I'm not here to police people. OCDIY is not trying to police people. Bridgetown's not trying to police people. Contrary to what people think about that, they're not. I know those guys. Yeah, they're super nice, they're the chill nicest. people. I've drank with some of them. I've smoked with some of them. I you know, hung out with them outside of Bridgetown, and we've had these conversations, and it's a really cool conversation to have, because sometimes people are like, Alex, you're drinking a beer? I'm like... I'm yeah, a person. <laughs> I've been drinking beer since I was like 19. Yeah. Like, it's not like crazy. Like, also, I'm like not a skinny guy and I'm like Eastern European, so like an Irish, so like I can handle drinking pretty well just because of my like, you know, biology or whatever. So, like, I'm gonna drink two beers of the show, drink a couple bottles of water, and I'm so good. Yeah. Like, don't even worry about it, you know? Like, we only draw those lines because we're forced to by yeah. like the outside parties so I don't the know. outside parties and you know what's important about like leftist culture and especially like anarchist culture which has like been very influential on punk is like self-policing yeah like mutually agreed upon standards and norms that we're all gonna follow and we're gonna help each other enforce like that's why like for instance like a lot of people at their festivals don't want security guards we should be able to self-police that's totally true and like Unfortunately, like security guards, are one of the things that make festivals expensive. You got to pay someone mm-hmm. to be there for eight hours and pay them a living, working wage, and like you don't know who they are. You don't know if they're gonna like flip out on some kid. You don't know if some kid's just gonna make a mistake and like it's gonna be cause like an altercation. And like I can understand why that would be like a huge reason to like be afraid of doing something like growing as up as dumb again. Yeah. Like people were like asking me like, hey, you got any inside information? You know if it's happening this summer? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know, Aaron. That's not. Like, <laughs> And then, like, people would ask me, like, do you think you could, like, help us get in contact with them or try and get on it? And oh. I'd be like, you don't understand what's going on here. Like, A, I don't have anything to do with any of that. But I could totally understand, after hearing questions like this, why, why you don't... someone would be reluctant to do that again. Yeah. And when things happen the way they did, why you just be like, you know what? Let's do this in an easier, less complicated way. Yeah, the last three years have been very interesting for that festival. But 
Yeah, it's totally cool. This weekend, or this past weekend that they had it was awesome. I went all three nights and was there from like start to finish all three nights. It was fantastic. It was great to get to see so many out-of-town bands. Yeah. You don't really get that anywhere else. Yeah. Where you get that many small out-of-town bands who are all like really digging on each other and the crowd's like really digging on everything. That's tight. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I actually wanted to ask you this question because I've been thinking about it for a while and is do you think it's inherently classist when people talk about music and like DIY culture in like a specifically like very academic way just because I've I found that it, often it'll shut certain people outside out of a conversation just because they don't know how to respond or they feel like they can't respond and it's not intentional. It's not. It's very rarely intentional because usually everyone who's in those conversations wants it to be an open conversation. However, that still happens. It's a thing I've been thinking about. Yeah, you know, I mean, being someone that was thinking about going into academia, like, I know exactly where you're coming from. And I've had people like who message me on Facebook and be like, "What does DIY really mean?" I'm like, "Awesome, that's a Let's great question because what does it mean?" <laughs> like, yeah, to understand like the historical situation or situate to situate things historically like you have to like not only know what the history is but like be deep into it in some way and that's really challenging to like get into if a it's not something you're passionate about and b something you don't have like direct contact with and i don't know i tend to not have those conversations with like people that i don't think are going to be into it precisely or the reason of like seeming exclusive and sometimes like I feel like it's almost necessary for me to like button be like, button and be like well in this like larger sort of way of thinking about it and like it's definitely it could be tensionous and I like hope I haven't rubbed people the wrong way of doing that but like I'm someone who's like really down to like basically get too deep and make it something that seems a bit unreachable for people mm-hmm. and when it's not talked about enough it's gonna just be like harder and harder to reach because the idea of what like indie or DIY is is gonna like keep getting blurred because like at its like face value doing something yourself is like something people do all the time everywhere but that's not what we're talking about when we talk about like a DIY music community and DIY music and art culture like there's a different historical background to it because people do things themselves all the time i brush my hair myself all the time i brush my (laughs) own teeth like you know like some people like make yogurt some people like brew beer they're doing it themselves but that doesn't mean they're part of this community like this is a certain kind of community which if i'm going to become you know an academic and be a little unreachable for people here um is rhizomatic so it's like how strawberries grow where they send runners out underground and then it just pops up somewhere else. So you have all these different strawberry plants in a, in a big patch together, aka the United States, and they're connected underground. You can't really see it, but there's these connections that develop through people touring, people moving to different cities, and people being friends. And so it's hard not to be... I guess yeah. classist, especially as like a white male who was college educated. That's the thing. And uh, you gotta pick and choose your battles. Some people aren't very good at that. And sometimes I'm not very good at that. And it would be like, 
very presumptuous to be like everyone needs to learn this they need to like get in this or they can't be part of it and what's good about like yeah i run into that a lot diy is that like you that like people for the most part are just doing it they're not really talking about what they're doing but i think if more people were talking about what they're doing and talking about like the kind of political things that it basically either encourages or aspires to then it would seem more accessible because I feel like people kind of want to bury that because for a lot of people, like being part of the DIY community is a stepping stone. And like, this is a conversation me and some other people have a lot where like, Oh yeah. Like people just do this and like float around these scenes because there are places to play and because there's an audience that seems like could be your audience, even if it might not necessarily turn out that way. And so, you know, there's a lot of people who are moonlighting in like the punk DIY world and that's been a phenomenon forever that's nothing new that's just how it goes like not everyone who's part of it is gonna like be passionate about saying what it is and why it is and I hope that like with the way I do shows and the way that like when I'm choosing to put out records and trying to like reach out to people that like it doesn't come off that way that it doesn't seem like exclusive and that like I'm trying to explain what's going on and like a way that's not too crazy and deep because I like could do that. And I have like on like in like Facebook groups where people are like, talking about these things, like, I'll be like, well, anarchism and this and that. And then it's like, people are like, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, sucks for you. Like, I don't care. This is the internet. Like the internet's <laughs> like much different <laughs> than real life for me. <laughs> like for, oh, for a long time, a lot of people on the internet thought I was like a really big dick. Because I'd be posting kind of trolley things almost every, almost like every show that would happen, and I was like, "Oh well, if you know me in person, I'm not like a big dick. Like, I'm I'm a nice person generally, right? I don't know. <laughs> like, it seems to be people don't hate me as far as I know. No. There's a couple people I know who hate me, but that's for external reasons. I mean, I don't know. With internet conversations, that's a whole that's a whole thing. Also, right. <laughs> I don't know if I want to go there right now. Yeah, I'm 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 waiting for when we reach like peak meme. <laughs> I, I was talking about this with my friend Nina the other day, and we were like, yeah, like at some point, like there'll be a peak in like how much memes can really explain and talk about the world, and then we'll see it stop being like a crazy remarked upon phenomenon. Like the idea of a meme and like an inside joke's always been around, but people aren't like being like, yeah, that inside joke, right? Like you don't bring it up. Like, that's not how you talk about inside jokes yeah. anymore. Like, you just talk about it. And so eventually, like, memes will pass on and just be this, like, normalized thing in culture. But it hasn't happened yet because they're so fresh and they're, they're exploding exponentially with all of yeah. the myriad forms of it's internet communication. Fast and it's wild. The lifespan. They're, it's wild. But, you know, memes get you more likes on Facebook than anything else. <laughs> uh, play another thing, please. <laughs> Wait, okay. Let's see. I know that you've said that you can't do covers on this show. Yeah. But this one I can do a cover of because it's another local band and yeah, they're fine. friends of mine. Who is it? Ridgeway. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so this is... Uh, it's cool, Lucas. Because <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of like... No, I was going to say the only time people could do covers is if like we know them and I mean, I'm, I put out fine. Ridgeway's last EP and I'm yeah, putting out their did. next EP, so... Yeah. That's well, actually, true. I didn't put out the EP the songs on, oh. but this this one's not this one's not even on Bandcamp anymore. They took it off. It's so sad. It's a great song, but you know, you release new music and you kind of like oh, I want people to see what I did in the past. Like we've talked about that. 
I guess. On the podcast in general. I guess that happens. I don't know. I have like almost everything I've ever done on display on random band camps. I don't tell anyone about yeah, it. Yeah, you don't tell anyone. But it's, it's there. there. And it, sometimes they can, like. People can find it if they really tried. I mean, but if also... someone wants to know what your yellow dress was, like, I'll be like, yeah, there's a band camp. You can go look at all the weird stuff I've done. Like, I would, at one point I was like, I'm going to write like an album or an EP about every county in California. I only did two. <laughs> but like yeah like i have drawings from when i was like 13 they're on the internet no one's gonna find them but they are there deep in tumblr somewhere they're deviant art oh yes like deviant this was 2007 yeah. so oh, man yeah 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 i got some old live journals up there yeah it's there i, I have i'll never live. take them down yeah but i mean live journals. i don't talk about it live for, journals like, tight go here but yeah if anyone found my old live journals they'd be like oh this guy was so depressed and then <laughs> really happy and then really into twee music like, <laughs> yeah high school high school was chill i mean it wasn't that bad everyone's like oh, high school sucked but i'm like, with you on that you know I don't like know. i don't know i don't it wasn't i ain't party in high school though i played shows in parks and had picnics i was really into twee so <laughs> we just did like cute fun things but I think I think Ridge River wrote this song in high school. I'm not sure. Threw my helmet off as I ran the bases. Just for a ride home Just up the hill The wrong direction From where I used to live Always thinking it's time to run away I can't forgive you if there's nothing left to give Let alone a single word you say You say I hope you think of me when you fall asleep And again when you wake up You're always made up I can analyze your dreams Could you make me fall asleep any faster? I can analyze your dreams Could you make me fall asleep any faster?
That is a nice yeah. song. I like that song a lot. Why'd they take it down? I don't know. They got new stuff. And they're like, I mean, you know, we got, we got new EPs. <laughs> you should listen to that. I get it. It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. <laughs> That's how Barry was able to find it. Because we played that song with the Secret Smooth Band. And uh, Barry, the guitarist, had never heard the original. He'd only heard the recording I had made and sent him. And he was like, asking, he's like, guys, how can I listen to that song? And they were like, it's on YouTube. So it's on YouTube. <laughs> but that's where a lot of music resides. I'm always surprised to see like people I know's albums on YouTube. And I'm like, okay, cool. I guess I can listen to the Dog Breath album that I like on YouTube while I like, I don't know, play video games at someone's house, which I don't <laughs> really do anymore, but I used to like do like once a week for a while. And uh, that's tight. I don't know. I don't know if any of my label stuff was on YouTube. I don't know if the distribution service I use puts stuff on YouTube. There might be an option for it, but I, maybe mm-hmm. I haven't enabled it. But I don't know. I have a recording of that, and I don't have like the solo in the middle. Like I need like a really smooth saxophone solo because I've been doing a series of recordings. Like the Smooth Band started off as a recording project, where like because the drummer Stereo Silmu was busy, and since he lives in an apartment, he can't have his drum set, and so it's at my house with me and uh the house i live in is just me and my mom and yeah. like a four-bedroom house because my brother's in uh in graduate school and so i can just play drums whenever i want now which is really fun and so i play drums almost every day i play drums more than anything else now and i'm not a drummer but like i was like okay i can just record every part now because i already know how to play guitar and bass sometimes i'll add keyboards because i had to do that when i was in college i had to learn how to play piano and i can do strings because i grew up playing violin and so, so like, here it is. I can just make soft rock at home for fun, <laughs> like really lo-fi. And so I started off doing like a cover of quarterbacks and then I did one of ambulance LTD and then I did one of tough stuff and like, it just started spiraling out of control. And I did like a, like a, like a white boy reggae cover of Joyce Manor and like, uh, I'm glad it's you cover and a Just Friends cover, and a Ridgeway cover. Me and John Modell started working on another Joyce Manor cover. We have a Struck Out cover we still have to record because we wrote it while we were practicing for the, like, the show we played. I want a copy. And so, and like... Also, which Tough Stuff song There's did you a lot do? of Cali. I, um, that song's, like, 30 seconds long. Yeah, okay. That was, I really like playing that one. I'll, I'll play it really quickly because it's so <laughs> short. It's so 30 short. 30 seconds. It's great. Also, that song isn't anywhere anymore. It's on the inner groove of a vinyl record. Yeah. No, it's on. It's. I think it's on Andy Gibson, one of his various label band camps or something. That's how I heard the song was through Andy. Maybe. Yeah. It's not anything official. Get sick, get sad, stay true, Cali. Don't think that I ever could leave. I'm gonna stay in Cali forever. Whenever you need, just call and I'll be there. Just call me and I'll be there Get sick, get sad, stay trill, Cali R.I.P. Testo It's so fun to play live, (laughs) oh man I think we played it and like Lisa Snapchatted it to one of them And that's the first time they knew it existed, except for Mitchell Because like I got the chords and lyrics from Mitchell And so like I sent it to him and he was really into it That's funny But I don't know if the rest of the band was into it probably not i don't know it's like a really fun silly thing and i'm trying to put it out like i'm trying to release these covers but a i have to get everyone's permission and b i have to figure out how i'm gonna do it 
just because like I can put stuff up on Bandcamp, but like I don't I don't like just doing that anymore. Like I like doing weird physical releases. It's the whole reason I start another start label. The label, yeah. Like me and my buddy Patrick Whitehill started this label called Intimate Evening Records, so we can do like weird. Wait, you have label. another label? Label? Yeah, we launched it at oh the beginning. We launched goodness. the beginning of December. <laughs> So we've been, Sir. <laughs> yeah, we did, Patrick did the show called An Intimate Evening with El Montano Negro, which is one of his, like, kind of, like, beat making kind of, like, projects, and I made, like, a video of that show that was their album release, and later in the summer, uh, we decided to do another one. And that was cool, and like we were like, okay, we can just do that at the lockout whenever we want. We can all just hang out in the lockout, bring a bunch of pillows, lay around, and play like weird ambient music and like noise and like loop based stuff. So like every couple months we'd have one, and I was eventually like, hey, like Patrick, do you want to do like a label together? Because him and John and Jake they have Triroller Recordings, which is like their kind of label slash recording thing. And so I was like, why don't me and you do this? Because you have a really good sense of like aesthetic design, and you're like a you know a graphic designer. I'm not very good at that, and that's one of, like, the things that lacks for DIY for life is, like, any kind of branding. I'm so bad at it. And, like, so we were like, oh, okay, let's do this. And so we're, like, picking through our first couple releases right now, and it's going to be, like, really weird packaging, weird formats, like, three-inch CDs. I have rectangular <laughs> CDs that we're going to do, lathe cuts, weird cassettes. I want to try and do an infinitely looping cassette. That's something I found on the internet that I'd like to see if I can... Release. That'd be good. That's useful because yeah. then I don't have it's to just six flip minutes it. that yeah. just constantly plays. So you just do some kind of weird ambient music and like it'll just keep going and it'll sound like awesome forever. I, I want to do like weird That's stuff. Fine. Like I've always wanted to like I see all the labels, all the shows, all the creative stuff I do is like one big art project. Like it's just lots of different things. Like artists, it's different arms of yeah. what you want to do. Like artists don't typically just do one thing like it might seem like that on the outside they don't but like that's not reality (laughs) it's not and that was like the whole thing with like the compilation i did recently start thinking about someone else i was like i know these other people have like songs they're recording matt sturgis has songs he's recording like trevor from holloran who's a drummer also like matt also has songs he's written like john medell had songs he's written and so i was like let's do a compilation of this austin in panoramic has his own solo like folky stuff that exists yeah. everywhere and like people who are good friends with each other know these things but i thought it'd be cool to give people that chance to like hear that do stuff. it larger yeah and like it went really well and the cassette sold really well and the show was amazing so i'm sorry again i didn't come through with that i want to i want to do more stuff like that we'll probably do a second one okay because <laughs> i don't know it's cool to like watch people get validated for doing creative things that's like very very important for especially young people to have. Oh, yeah. And uh, what's cool about what we do with, like, kind of, like, it's not transient. It's it's a kind of transient culture because a lot of it's based on, like, what age you're at for some people. And um, it's cool to have these cultural moments. I, I talked about this with someone else in an interview. And, like, what we're doing is creating, like, special moments that are like important to developing our own personal and interpersonal culture. And like that is essentially what a show is. And so if your show is a cultural moment, A, there'll probably end up being a lot of people at it. B, people are going to have a lot better time and C, you're going to reflect back on that and like really appreciate it more. So like that start thinking about someone else compilation release show was like a moment. It was great. 
like so many people had so many good things to say about it and were so excited about what happened that night and I was like yes yeah this is the kind of shows I want to and need to keep throwing that's really challenging to do with touring bands yes and so <laughs> well, I mean it's a balance like like the way we understand our own lives is through a collection of these small moments and that's how we understand yeah. our own stories so putting on shows and like making art pieces is just giving giving people a greater chance of having a like a, a touchstone yeah. that they look back on and that's how it's really important to keep making and to have that be an environment where there isn't like a huge financial barrier is important yeah um there's a lot of there's like stuff like Maybe like you have like rock and roll schools like Los Rios Rock School in San Juan Capistrano and like I mean it's good they're teaching kids music because they're not doing it in schools anymore but at the same time like it clearly caters to a certain affluent white audience Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing is very successful in San Juan Capistrano because of where it's located and to reproduce that without the sort of intense capitalist values like DIY collectives tend to do is so tricky like ocdiy's biggest problem is finding a space we can afford we raise a lot of money but there's permits there's insurance there's like retrofitting the space properly to be able to display art and to be able to have people play in a visible format so they're not just on the floor like i like being on the floor i think people being close communication is important but like a vlhs where they just have like wood pallets that are like four to six inches high that's like perfect yeah that is perfect that's that's all you need that's all you need big stages that are like a couple feet tall are so weird yeah and like and people and then bands will will ask you to if they can play on the floor if you have a giant i've seen like ten thousand leagues do that so many times and it's like oh mark (laughs) he's a great guy though he's really interesting to talk to i'm hard to get a conversation with i've heard yeah i've heard (laughs) yeah well I have, a lot, I have a lot of interesting questions for that guy. <laughs> we all do. He, Yeah, he's a mystery. I don't know. Anyway. Let's play video games. Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to get Omar Romero to set me up. <laughs> We're going to try and get a round table going with like me, him, Mark, and maybe some other people. Like for cool. the TV show. Yeah, so. What? We're wrapping up. What? What's What's the uh, shows? Shows. You've played shows. What is your, like, your best memory from a show slash like weirdest strangest thing that's happened either at a show around here or during on tour oh man so Corey Mandrell asked me this question and i was like dang like it's my favorite way to close the show because well doing it with him like we were doing it like through like typing ah. and so like i had some time to, like really think and be like okay like this let's go through all the eras of my life and find <laughs> something cool that happened but um you now, also, now yeah. talking about this a couple times with people, like I've developed stock answers and I'm trying not to use them. <laughs> and, uh, I, I mean, it's say, not a big deal. I will say one thing I talked about uh, with Pauline from Paraspace recently is I ran a house show venue in Berkeley when my sophomore year when I was living up there. I did something like thirty something shows over the course of the school year. It was almost like a show or two every week. And uh, one of the last shows, um, the second to last show, I think was Moses Campbell came up. And this is like 2000, spring 2010. And so we had just played with Moses Campbell at their album release show at Pear Space. And that was like an insane show. This is when Chris Gordon was in Your Yellow Dress. Yeah. Because he would come to my house shows in Berkeley. That's how we became friends. That's cool. And so he was oh, playing Chris. with us at this time because he had just played with us on tour on that. And uh, this house show with Moses Campbell was so good. 
Like it was an app. It was like a Saturday afternoon. We didn't even have a real PA. We had a guitar amp and a bass amp being plugged in through my friend's mixer. And uh, basically my living room of that house was really small and it was good for like 20 people like acoustic shows which is usually what we did but this Moses Campbell show drew a lot of people people were like spilling in the back of the house and spilling out the front door onto yeah, the drive well, people like onto, Moses like, Campbell. <laughs> and like it was weird because it was in Berkeley and like I didn't know that people up there would like know about Moses Campbell and uh, it was so fun I remember Pauline was playing violin in Moses Campbell and she was like standing on someone's amp and like when my band played, we did, we played like some Euro Dress stuff, but we also played stuff from like my really old high school band, the Paper Orchestra, which was like really upbeat, like indie pop music. And like it went off, and like my friend Michelle was like, "Why don't you play that stuff more? Like that was really fun." And I was like, "Dude, that's like high school stuff for me. Like I don't know, like I don't do that anymore." But that show was freaking great. Um, OCDIY Winterfest last year was really good. That was, like, two days of just, like, almost all great bands. A lot of people met other people there for the first time, which was really cool. That's fun. I, that like, happens. kind of bonded with a lot of people, like, there, like, the guys from Tough Stuff. And, um, like, that's when, like, Struck Out and a bunch of other people, like, met Media Jeweler. And Media Jeweler got introduced to a lot of people, which I thought was kind of crazy because I've known Sam forever. And Sam was, like, the yeah. last person doing big DIY stuff in know. Orange County. Media Jeweler's so good. And, uh, yeah, that was great. And, like, Pedestrian played, and Kit played, and Winterfest was awesome. Afterwards, we were all so stoked. We made, we, like, the show went really well. Like, we raised a lot of money, and, like, we all went to Del Taco afterwards and, like, hung out, and it was, it was a good time in OCDIY. Mm -hmm. That was, like, the, the, the twilight of <laughs> our beginnings, you know, twilight. before, like, 2015 happened. Yeah. Actually, so. thinking about it, media, we met, uh, like, the struck out Long Beach group, we met Media Jeweler when the Wax Museum was briefly a venue oh, for like a right. month. Yeah, they played, they played a one of those shows. They played one of those shows. I played that show that they played. Yeah. I was in my friend Sam's band at that that's show. That's it. We were there Jonathan and Higa we were like, that's how, that's how I met Johnny also. That show, that venue, we met a bunch of people for the one month that place existed. But See, I didn't we, meet anyone at that place. I, don't know. I just played with a bunch of people I had already vaguely knew and I was like, oh cool these are all people i know yeah well this is that's how i met johnny and then that's how we all heard media jewel for the first time when we were just blown away by them okay and then since daniel liked them a lot he booked them on his shows and then i think that's how they met the palisades people and now they play there all the time yep. anyway it was good good yes <laughs> yeah that place is trippy there's a great like history of spots but yeah if you yeah. i don't know there's been so many cool moments and a lot of them I feel like I forget. And there's That's so funny. many shows I feel like I'm forgetting the shows that are happening. And I'm going to so many shows. I've never you go to a lot of shows. I've never gone to shows in my life. You go like, to a lot of shows. Like, I have, like, this one friend who's, like, he has a blog called His Name Goes to Concerts.blogspot.com. And, like, he's like, I've been to 60 something concerts in my life. And I'm like, Yo, <laughs> define no. My first question is define concert. Yeah, define concert. Because he doesn't think DIY shows are real shows. Oh, he's just like the Orange County Music League guys who don't think house shows are real shows. Like there are people in Orange County who are like trying to like fight pay to play and trying to get bands opportunities, but they're like hmm. house shows aren't real shows. And it's like that's interesting. <laughs> like I don't know what you're thinking there, man. But continue on booking your bar shows. Have fun. Bar shows. 
never had a good bar show, but I've only played two or three, so. I've never heard anyone have a good bar show. Unless they're, like, a band that, like, does work for a bar. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, well. First OC Zine Fest, that was pretty tight. That's where I met you. Yeah. That's where I met Is you, that, that's, yeah, Trevor, I that that's how Lisa, I met you. Spear, I met uh, Randall there, who plays in Heritage. Does he play in Heritage State now? Yeah, he plays in Heritage State. Or no, Heritage Unit. I think it's wild that I met you at that, as opposed to yeah and i met a bunch of people at that like um that's where me and beverly solace became better friends because i only like met her at one or two shows before that and uh that's where i got made more like closer friends with like people from like oc weekly and people from green and gold first occ fest was pretty tight i was into it yeah second one was cool but it didn't have that same magic no that was cool yeah (laughs) so yeah that's been some good moments over the last couple years with one old one thrown in i guess yeah Nice. But uh, well, there'll be you. many more. There will be. There'll be way too many more. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to get a warehouse so badly. It's just, It'll it's so hard. Maybe to find happen. <laughs> I'm trying to find someone to back me. Yeah, the warehouse. Like, that's that's basically. the the dream is the warehouse in an found, industrial zoned area. I found warehouses and I've looked into some stuff here and there. A big thing is the initial financial hurdle. I don't have a lot of money. I'm someone who lives very cheap and works as little as possible. So, I don't know. I'm trying to find someone to help me out with that kind of stuff. And I don't know what my credit score is. I have to find that out because, like, signing leases requires you to, like, know your credit score. It's like, it's, like, it's basically, like, how well you do at paying off your credit cards is essentially that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I've only had one credit card, but, like, I don't know. I've had some late payments, and I had a credit card in college, so things were dodgy at times. Yeah. But not to the point where things were, like, bad. So... I don't know. It's hard to find a sketchy landlord in Orange County. Go figure. I mean, there's a lot of like ones that want to screw you, but yeah, not but ones not... that are sketchy that are like, yeah, I won't tell the cops, yeah. you know? Like, One I'll day. find it eventually. I know some people really disillusioned right now who are just like, Orange County's like dumb. You'll never find that. I'm like, no, like, it exists somewhere. Like, I feel like, honestly, I feel like we, like this generation of DIY, we just have to be 40 and like have income. And then it'll happen. And then we'll be able to support the new young kids. Like, I, like honestly. I, I feel like I'm doing that. You're, okay. I'm 26. You're 26. Right I'll be 26 <laughs> in January. But, um, yeah, there needs to be, I mean, I hate to use this word, but, like, having lifers is important. Like, people like Marty Ploy, people like Tim Berger. They're, like, some of the most important people to like Southern California music. I don't, I people. don't know I mean, how to thank them enough. about Matthew Gray. He lives here in Long Beach. Yeah. He used to do Outsider Folk here in Long Beach for a while. Chris Payne used to book a lot of shows. The guy who runs Folktale Records. Like, they're all still kind of around. And some of them that don't, like, kind of keep up with the trendiness, I guess, of certain genres. Like, I just think they get pushed aside, but they kind of do. And, like, those people are really cool, and they're doing really interesting stuff. And, like, that's, like, the kind of people I want to shout out to is people like Matthew Gray from Juniper Tree Songs and, like, you know, people who have been, like, holding it down at Paraspace for, like, yeah. eight or nine years, like Pauline. Well, Paraspace, I feel like, has been a slow burn, like, because... Paraspace has been going, I found out from Pauline, Paraspace has started around like 2006 yeah exactly they've been around it, for a long time like a stu- mostly a studio yeah but in within Pauline the last over, three years it's like become this really cool thing i don't know really yeah I- see uh, that's really funny for me because like 
I was in college, like, the whole time, and, like, I only knew about Paris Bay stuff from afar besides playing there a couple times. And every time I played there, I knew people that played there. Like, since 2009, people have been saying, like, awesome stuff about it. Yeah, and, like, no, I I'm played not... there in 2010. I'm not saying it's not. It's never... Like, it's just, there's but, a different generation now yeah, of Paris Bay, yeah. kind of. It's like, also, like, I'm hearing it away. more and more often. Because like, the emo punk just... scene doesn't know about it. That's true. Because That's Pauline true. doesn't book that stuff, and she's even told me, like, yeah, it's not like I have anything against it. It's just not what I'm into. And so, like, that's also, they have their other places. That's also... And so people have tried to... Punk people are trying to move their way into Paraspace because they want to be a part of it because it seems really cool and hip. And I find it <laughs> hilarious because I'm like, Paraspace has always been cool and hip. Like, what are you talking you about? Like, I have people yeah. who are like, dude, how do I play in Paraspace? I'm like, well, you're kind of in an emo or post-rock band, so it's probably going to be pretty hard. Like, you maybe <laughs> shouldn't count on that, you know? But, like, they, like, people talk about Paraspace. Like, they talk about VLHS now, and I'm like... Well, talking about I'm lifers, like, that's good. it's just because the people who own the, the places have a sound that they like, and then, then that's kind of yeah. defines what plays there. Yeah, the weirdest show. It's not it's not intentional, it's just who owns the place and what music do they like. Yeah, the weirdest show I did before I was like really like booking shows regularly um, was at Bridgetown, and the show was like uh, a bunch of like electronic, kind of like ambient and like beat based stuff, and uh some weird like kind of like outsider like weirdo folk kind of things like and like i kept like looking over at daniel torres and i was like looking at his face and i could see him just like looking up like kind of confused and stuff like texting all the different people that were part of the collective being like dude this show right now i was like so this is like one of the weirder shows you ever see right he's like oh yeah yeah it's pretty weird i was like good like all the people from the daw like came to that show because i booked a bunch of their friends and like the people that are super legit like manny's been around doing stuff forever like not literally forever but like since before 2010 yeah all the way back to like the ports of call days when that was what was happening in the west covina like bridgetown area la puente area like yeah ports of call was like when i first started going to shows in southern california i was like oh here's weirdos like me they make me look normal (laughs) wow like i don't like i don't i don't feel like normal at bridgetown at shows or like vlhs shows now like i still feel like oh okay kind of a little on the weirder side here like i do like this stuff and i'm into it but i don't know half the cultural references people are making i don't know like the like f- f- you know big shot bands are from certain genres i don't know like what's cool in the emo revival like i don't, does I don't, anyone, know. I don't know what pop punk bands people does are anyone know or, what's cool in the emo you know, revival <laughs> i've just taken to calling it all bummer punk there's just no need to like be like this is emo and this is that and this is post-hardcore i'm like you know what this is all bummer punk now like, whether you're a pop-punk band like Panoramic, or you're, like, a twinkly math-rock band, or you're, like, Hillary Chillin, you're all just bummer-punk music. Like, <laughs> that's the easy way. I'm trying to promote this idea that bummer-punk is a genre. It's a big catch-all overarching thing, because minute genre distinctions just create bad blood. It's like the whole fake emo versus real emo thing versus wiener rock. It's, like, silly. It's all <laughs> bummer-punk. It's all mildly sad, but, like... Mildly sad, yeah. More, like, maybe, maybe more introspective punk rock related music because otherwise it's all just indie rock like that's yeah boring. i mean yeah <laughs> okay, i don't know yeah so bummer punk that's one of the things i want to get across on this show bummer punk it's a genre it's a thing it's real so, bummer so, punk hey, is real Brent and it's Friedman used it on a flyer so it's now it's real other people are using it not just me and uh smooth music revolution 2016 because 2016 is right around the corner so i gotta update the year so smooth music revolution it's coming be on the lookout for really tight smooth bands where diners has put out a new record they did where is your your stuff on the internet all of Um, all of the things that you do (laughs) so there's diy for life um that's kind of what i put most things under 
And so DIY for life is DIY, the number four, and life is spelled L-Y-F-E. I made the name as, like, trashy as possible, so it would seem totally dumb and, like, just be, like, kind of, like, a joke on itself, like, a joke on internet speak. It's all one word, DIY, the number four, L-Y-F-E. And so that is .bandcamp.com, .tumblr.com, or facebook.com slash DIY for life. And uh, the Stereo Soul Movement is just the Stereo Soul Movement at Bandcamp, or the Stereo Soul Movement dot Bandcamp.com. Or an easy way to find a lot of like that kind of, the, the jam group we talked about, the people who all play together, the Space Crime Collective. We have Space Crime Collective dot bandcamp.com and spacecrimecollective.tumblr.com and space crime collective has like stereo soul movement stuff galacticat stuff everyone's side projects all like the weird stuff we do and then intimate evening records is intimateevening.bandcamp.com but it's not up yet we haven't officially released our first release yet even though we gave it out already our first release yeah. was a, our first release <laughs> our first release was a thank you card with a download code and a button that's in it. cute so what are we can't really releases? put that on the internet because yeah, it's a yeah. thank you card so yeah there's a lot i mean then there's orange, a lot of stuff there's orange county <laughs> diy um dot org um all one word and we currently we so we raised the ten thousand dollars we took a bit of a break in december we actually just finished packaging all the stuff from the indiegogo and it's all being sent out you guys literally tomorrow that? yeah so all That's the stuff good. will be sent out tomorrow and uh if you live locally, which most people do, it should be there before Christmas because it's all being shipped by a two-day mail. So this will be out it'll be there in probably three days because of the rush, the holiday rush. But yeah, people will have all their Indiegogo rewards soon. And uh, yeah, we're actually starting to look in Irvine and Costa Mesa uh, for spaces. So we're just kind of slowly moving up the county. And there's a realtor that Will, Will Saba knows um who's like basically kind of helping us out who's like mostly looking at spaces some of the people in the collective are kind of driving around industrial areas i know i do that all the time just because like my the job i do to make money is like delivering food so if i'm in an area i'll just go find the warehouse areas and drive around and see if there's anything available and i think other people in the collective are doing that i don't know <laughs> um but the realtor is also looking for spaces so orangecountydiy.org and it's also on facebook as everything is yeah Cool. Yeah, that's where you can find. Thank you for coming on, Alex. Thank you for having me. I really like talking. I it makes this easier for me, <laughs> I, so don't worry. I know how that is as an interviewer. No, I good. love the interview format. I think the interview format's so interesting. That's oh, that's why I'm doing a TV show. Yes. <laughs> where it's mostly based around interviewing, and so that uh, will be coming in 2016. Well, this isn't supposed to feel like an interview. It's supposed to be more conversational. Well, yeah, but, I mean, um... it's like a master class or like a colloquium i like oh yeah i like going to colloquiums <laughs> colloquium. in college so like, the music department had some what was it ones. socratic seminar oh, yes. that i love uh, that term yeah it it's cool like that's how i got into so many i found out about good music books going to colloquiums and talking to professors and people who had written stuff and were speaking about it yeah music cool. books are tight <laughs> <laughs> can you close us out alex yeah, Whatever. Yeah. I say I say I want to close it out. Oh, good. I know, like, the Stereo Soul Moon songs are, like, it's meant to, like, be the more, like, party music, but one thing I feel like is, like, kind of missing in a lot of people's songwriting is, is, like, political edge. Like, a lot of people say, like, the personal is political, 
And, like, I agree with that, and that's, like, kind of how I try and, like, live the politics I believe in, which are, like, very leftist. And um, I wanted to write more explicitly political songs. Like, the new one I played, like, it had, like, things very much referencing, like, being political and, like, certain ideals that I believe in. But it's more couched in, like, social and romantic, like, confusion. But, like, this song was, like, very blatant. And it was around the time that Occupy Wall Street was happening. Okay. And that okay. really, and Occupy Wall Street really tripped me out because when I was in college, there was a building occupations um, against the tuition hikes in the UC system. And I was involved in, in some of those occupations and went to jail a couple times. And we used to say this thing, like we, like our catchphrase, like for our like little group of like anarchist lean people were like, occupy everything. And like when Occupy Wall Street happened, we were all like, whoa, this is weird. And a bunch of us had been arrested like early in the year. So we couldn't go to that stuff because we were like kind of on probation. Yeah. And uh, I never really went to a lot of Occupy Wall Street stuff that first, like in the big first wave, but I was involved in things like uh, Occupy the Farm and other like outside occupation kind of related things at Berkeley and when Occupy was happening I like wrote this song and I was like very proud at the time that like it's very explicitly political but it's also about like community and your friends and so I really like the song and we we always play it as like our last song and we do like a fake ending and it's wonderful so the song is I'm sure it will turn some people off but it's called (laughs) Occupy Everything See all those people on the streets They're crying Trying so hard to make ends meet They're dying We know there is some better way we gon' find it Baby, you better watch your back We multiply it And when we come Over the hills They gonna see A change in our world And all of my friends Giving me thrills Baby, you know Changing our world So baby don't frown We're gonna take back the town Yeah They can't hold us down And you know we gonna sing Occupy everything Tired of all the games you've been playing We don't care what you do or say We're disobeying We will take back what is ours Hearts are blowing Come join the people, get empowered The movement's growing And when we come 
over the hills They're gonna see Changing our world And all of my friends Giving me thrills And baby you know Changing our world So baby don't frown We're gonna take back the town Yeah They can't hold us down And you know we're gonna sing Occupy everything Usually I scream when I play that song, and so it was yeah, like very like, challenging to figure out so how to quiet. navigate that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was good. But that's it. Thanks for coming on. Alex. Thank you for having me. This yeah. was very nice. This was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Living Room. This week, our guest was Alex Posca from the Stereo Soul Movement and DIY for Life. They can be found online at thestereosoulmovement.bandcamp.com and diyforlife.tumblr.com. The Living Room was created by Lucas Cathy and Karina Taylor with sound editing by Hannah Mraz. We can be found online at facebook.com slash livingroompodcast and you can listen to us on iTunes and Google Play. If you would like to chat with us, email thelivingroompodcast at gmail.com. Special thanks, as always, to Henry Haycraft for letting us record in her living room, our neighbors for not complaining about us, the landlord, and you for listening.